You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rogers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Packs of She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Perry Goldstein, joined as always by Maggie Loney. There you go. Take it away. Take it away. Yeah, so we've had what? Well, today was the seventh practice, but close to the media, right? So six media open practices for people to make observations on. I uh, The pads came on yesterday. Apparently, according to Mercedes Lewis, that's when, we, when guys become dudes. <laughs> the pads come on, which is interesting because some guys struggled and some guys excelled. So maybe he ain't wrong. Yeah, I mean, I they say that with the combine too. Like, obviously, it's, you know... I've heard it called the Underwear Olympics. Preston Smith called it, um, what is it, T-shirt All-American um, for, for <laughs> non-padded practice. So, yeah, I mean, I think it sounds like there might even be a little bit of 11-on-11 at family night. Who knows yet? Matt LaFleur was very non-committal when he said that. He said might, uh, heavy emphasis on might. So, yeah, I mean, you said it. You said it pre-show. It's hard to to have as much to talk about when we won't be there in person, but we will be next week. So initial training camp thoughts, anybody surprise you maybe that you're hearing about anybody that you want to know more about that's completely fallen off the radar. Um, People impressing based on the tweets and the things we're reading people Mm. not impressing. Well, apparently Juwan Winfrey is on a roll, which I think is very interesting. I mean, I don't know if you want to like start with the wide receivers because they're just like the biggest. They're like both the biggest question mark and the most solidified in the honest way. Does that make sense? Like we know that Adams, Lazard, Cobb, MVS are going to make the team. Amari Rogers. Amari Rogers. Sorry, I knew I was missing one. And that's five already. So... Then you have this like weird battle for number six. And like, I don't think the Packers are going to keep seven, but that's a one spot for a lot of guys. EQ, Funches, Juwan Winfrey. I'm, I'm going to main three, I guess. I mean, I'm actually kind of starting to think that the Packers could keep seven. And I only say that because we're not sure what the tight end room now is going to look like to start the season. And Josiah DeGuara, as of literally the time we started recording this, Um, did pass his physical. So we're not sure if he'll be back at practice on Thursday or if, you know, they'll give him a couple days, but um, Dominic Daphne still on the pup list. Jay Sternberger will be, um, you know, suspended for the first two games of the season. So your tight end room going into the season could only be three guys. It might end up just being Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tunyon 
and Josiah DeGuara. So maybe they do end up holding seven wide receivers, at least initially. And then a guy like Juwan Winfrey gets um, demoted, I guess, to the practice squad or, you know, they look if, if they're actually using him or if he's like a really good special teamer, maybe they make the cut elsewhere. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there where it's like special teams is going to be kind of make or break for who gets that spot. Because, I mean, I think people have talked about this ad nauseum at this point, but it's true. Like Your six wide receiver is not going to get a lot of snaps in the offense, right? Like you're just not, especially with the guys we just listed. And obviously like super excited to have Cobb back because for a number of different reasons, sentimentality and what he brings, vet, et cetera. But he's taking snaps away from both Amari Rogers likely and whoever that number six was going to be. And so it's like even less of an opportunity for a number six. I'm just calling them number six. That makes them really dehumanized. I don't mean it like that. (laughs) Like they're going to have to carve out a role for themselves and it's going to be on special teams. Like it's going to have to be. Um, And I think at practice you actually saw um, like EQ uh, doing special team workouts. And it's like probably because he knows like that's what he's going to need to do to make the team. Yeah. And I mean, it's gotta be, I mean, it is the nature of the business, the nature of the NFL, but it does have to be challenging to even be a guy like Devin Funches, who, yes, you opted out last season to protect the health of your loved ones, which is an admirable thing to do. But, you know, being so far removed even then from playing in an NFL game, what was with the Colts for like two games and then missed that season, opted out. Um, you know, he's not necessarily a roster lock. And I, I think that has to be challenging for, you know, a guy like him, a guy like EQ who struggled with injuries or the young guys like Chris Blair, Malik Taylor, that, yeah. you know, are at the, the bottom end of the roster. Even a guy like Bailey Gaither, I honestly thought had a good shot at making the practice squad solely because of his return abilities or what he would bring to special teams. And then he retired. So, you know, just a lot of moving pieces always kind of in that bottom five of a 90 man roster. Okay. But let's talk about tight ends then, because you had a really interesting comment earlier um, in a private group chat um, about the tight ends that I thought was really interesting about going into the season, only keeping three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we don't know the extent of the Dominique Daphne injury. We know he had knee surgery. It doesn't seem like it's anything that will be um, extensive as far as how long he's out, but obviously he's on the physically unable to perform list. Jay Sternberger, two game suspension. So his isn't necessarily for health reasons, but you know, it's possible that the Packers will fall in love with a guy like Isaac Nada or Bronson Kafusi during preseason and we'll see like an emergence for an under the radar tight end kind of like I don't know like a Robert Tunyon storyline but yeah I mean right now it you know obviously Mercedes Lewis is the guy Robert Tunyon is the guy Josiah DeGuara is making the team so then the Packers have to decide is there somebody um, do they feel that they need to keep four tight ends on the roster to start the season, whether it's for special teams value or to have different roles, if you've got an H back and then a split wide, but you know, that I think is going to be kind of telling of how they build the rest of the roster. Maybe they only keep three tight ends and they keep four running backs, or maybe they only keep three tight ends and they add that seventh wide receiver, or maybe they keep four tight ends and you know, only five wide receivers because we don't know. There's so many options. I know. <laughs> Then we have to figure out, I mean, so, okay. So then my question is, 
no matter the combination of those, are the Packers only keeping three running backs? I am really conflicted about that. And I think preseason will be really telling for those guys because by all accounts, that's kind of the position group, I guess, maybe that surprised me in training camp that we haven't heard much about. And I mean, I feel like we know that, I mean, it even sounds like Dexter Williams, honestly, is is looking good. I think he connected with Jordan Love or maybe it was Kurt Benkert on like a, a wheel route that looked nice. But yeah, I mean, Kylan Hill by you know, a lot of accounts slid in the draft, shouldn't have been a seventh rounder. So a lot of people liked his value. Patrick Taylor was somebody that likely would have been drafted as not for injuries and then kind of fell behind the eight ball again um, on the pup list, but back practicing. So I have always kind of thought that they were going to keep four running backs. And now I guess maybe I'm starting to think that they're going to lean three running backs and then keep like an extra wide receiver. We love a good running back wheel route. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I can't imagine that Kylan Hill doesn't make the team as a draft pick. And then you have friend of the show, Patrick Taylor, who's back practicing after what was a minor setback and injury. And you kind of can't help but root for him as well, given everything that he's been through to make it to where he is. And I think, you know, I've heard from a lot of people that are at practice that Kylan Hill is exciting. Like he's Mm -hmm. explosive. He's got all the cutback skills you'd want. It sounds like he's like a little bit different than both Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, which I mean, you kind of have to be at this point. Like you have to bring some kind of different skill set, even though both of, because to me, that's difficult. Like to break out into that running, to have any kind of like meaningful snaps at running back is going to be really difficult because you want to balance Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon out and they do it between the two of them quite naturally. And then I can really imagine someone like Amari Rogers also lining up in the backfield as like a pseudo kind of wide receiver running back role, you know, gadget guy, exactly what Tyler Irvin was doing last year, but like a little bit better. Um, And then, And so that's also taking snaps away from a running back. So I agree with you. I can't see the Packers keeping more than three. Also just from like a schematic, like logistical standpoint, like when would you even use a fourth running back? If you have even Cobb too, Cobb could do some of that work also. Um, But it's unfortunate when you have so many options. (laughs) Yeah. As many good players as possible. And yeah, Jimmy and I actually talked about that a little bit on pack a day where, you know, I've already seen multiple people on Twitter say things like, oh man, Juwan Winfrey is never going to clear waivers or Kylan Hill is never going to clear waivers. Like, I don't think people necessarily stop and realize that each team can only keep 53 guys. And like, there are going to be good football players that you just can't, like you can't stash on your practice squad or unless you're willing to sacrifice an active roster spot. Like there's a lot of players that are really good that are going to end up being on practice squads. Yeah. I talked about this with Andy also. It's interesting you bring that up because, and he brought up such a good point where he was like, I think that as Packers fans, we're obviously like super tuned in to every single player that's at our practice. And when you look at cutdowns and you look at how many players actually get poached in that way, like it's only a handful, right? Other teams are not looking at like the 85 to 90 player on the Packers roster to take them away. Like we're very plugged in and we think that those players can be something special, but every team has those players on their roster, if that makes sense. So like, it's less likely that they're going to get 
poached away. It's very rare. This is not like a Jake Kumaro situation. That's like an outlier. Um, so I think it is more than likely that those players get snuck onto a practice squad versus getting picked up on waivers. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's a really good point because, um, you know, for every gem that you do find from another practice squad, like an Alan Lazard from the Jaguars, that, that isn't necessarily something that happens maybe as regularly as we think it does. So yeah. Do you want to flip to the defense or do you have more thoughts on offense? No, I do because you asked what I'm most excited to see and it's like a hundred percent defense. How can it not be? I mean, we have a new defensive coordinator who's by all accounts bringing so much juice and energy to this team. And I've seen videos of him like Joe Barry's out there running drills with them. He's tackling the air, which like someone said that in a press conference. I was like, what does that even mean? Like, how do you tackle the air? Um, but it sounds like he is bringing some just like new and exciting energy. And from what Aaron Rodgers said today is that the defense is really operating in a much more free flowing way. And I think something that we've talked about a lot is that I don't think the defense has ever been had a lack of talent. Like there is a lot yeah. of talent there. It's just like, how do you use it? And like, you want your playmakers to just go make plays. And so if Joe Barry can find a way to allow his playmakers to do that, then by all means, please do. Um, between the secondary and the rushers up front, like this defense has all the potential in the world. So I can't wait to see it. I know you and I are excited to see who's playing the star role. Is Adrian Amos down in the box more? Like, what does that look like? How is Eric Stokes developing all of it. I can't wait to see all of it. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, Preston Smith said it in his presser that, you know, Joe Barry hasn't necessarily played with a lot of like really talented defenses. There's been some standouts and obviously you can argue that with Brandon Staley and the Rams last year, he had Aaron Donald and he had Jalen Ramsey and um, Troy Hill looked really good as their star last season. So there were pieces obviously for that Rams defense, but for Preston to say like pound for pound that this Packers defense might be the most talented roster from top to bottom that Joe Barry has gotten to coach up. Like that shows you the buy-in that the room has not only for themselves, but for him and kind of giving him, cause I know there were a ton of comments when Joe Barry got hired that, yeah. you know, it didn't, it didn't make sense that, you know, he didn't have a really good track record as a defensive yeah. coordinator, but you know, you can only work with what you have. And it, it sounds like, these are guys that are hungry. And, you know, I even talked about this with Jimmy a little bit on pack a day. Like, you know, we have this like anxiety about players and how they're being used like Preston Smith dropping in what he called like the Kyler Fackrell role. Like if that wasn't where he was comfortable, he's not going to play his best or, you know, like, so if they're trying out a guy like Kamal Martin as dropping in coverage to let a guy like Preston Smith do something he does better and make plays rushing the passer, like those are all improvements that we didn't necessarily see or adjustments from Mike Patton in 2020. Yeah. I mean, it's true. You can only work with what you got. Um, and Joe Barry's getting the best. I was actually listening to um, Mina Kimes podcast and she had Matt Bowen on this week to talk about Ben of C North. And first of all, I mean, if you're not listening to Mina Kimes, like, I don't know what you're doing. She's phenomenal, but they were reading out the roster and it's very interesting listening to people who are more like objective national media football followers, because sometimes like we can do our best to be analytical, but we are of course have like some rose colored glasses on. And she was reading out the roster of the Packers. They're talking about the Packers defense and she paused and she was like, wait, why is this team so good? 
And why has the product not lived up to the players that I just listed out? And like, that is at the end of the day, the number one question is, can this new defensive coordinator get the production out that we know these players can produce and just like, haven't been able to put it together yet? Um, I hope so. I think so. I think if Preston lives up to his potential and Rashawn Gary gets, takes another step, like it just is going to take really tiny changes um, to get them there. And maybe all it took was, was a Joe Barry. Yeah. And I think that's like, you can never look back on any what ifs because at the end of every season, there's only one happy team. Like it doesn't matter, you know, at the end of the day, there's only one team that hoists the trophy and then everybody else just has to deal with, you know, the ramifications of another season that didn't go their way. So, but I mean, this Packers defense had opportunities as we saw in the NFC championship game. So like you said, maybe it's just going to take one or two tweaks or, you know, the way that Joe Barry operates a defense on third and long or third and short, or just some of these little tweaks that he'll make or different packages um, with his personnel that I think are going to be really telling. And hopefully we find out early, but I, it's kind of hard, no disrespect to the saints, but they won't have Michael Thomas. They don't know who their quarterback is. It feels like there's not going to be a litmus test for like maybe the first couple weeks of the season. Good. I hope that that helps them like get out all the kinks yeah. games where they could win. Um, Cause it also feels like, and this is, this goes without saying, but it definitely feels like from what I've heard in like the kind of light scrimmages the Packers do and like team drills, the offense is way ahead of the defense. And again, that's like, so to be expected, it's year three, they're running like smooth butter. Aaron Rodgers is back. Devonte Adams is there, you know, that there's no reason for them to, but I'm glad that the defense gets not just this time, but like you said, maybe potentially the first couple weeks to kind of get back to not get back like get on the level that the offense is. Cause you know, the offense is going to come out hot and I don't think anyone's nervous about the way the offense is going to look. Um, and I, I don't know, we've always said like, if they could just play a complete game, both sides of the ball, like this team is unstoppable. Yeah. I think one of the things that I'm curious about, and I know that the preseason is always like incredibly vanilla and it's done intentionally and, you know, nobody gives away their, their best kept secrets, but you know, assuming that most of the starters will not be playing for a bulk of the preseason. I'm curious what some of these packages look like. Who's getting starting role uh, snaps at star? Who's getting, you know, looks in dime? Um, you know, is if Adrian Amos would technically be like that hybrid box safety, you know, is it a Vernon Scott? Is it a Henry Black? Is it Will Redmond when he comes back? Like, and even like the corners, I'm sure you want to talk about the corners because it feels right now like there's, it's like the wide receiver room. There's too many cooks and it's hard to kind of assess um, who's going to actually fit into these four or five, rarely six roles. Yeah. Well, from what I've read, it sounds like it, the majority of the star role is being taken up by Chandon right now, which makes sense. He was the go-to nickel guy last year and the year before. Um, I mean, I guess timeline on Kevin King also is a factor here, but Stokes is running with the ones. I don't think he looks great, but like that's to be expected. Again, he was always like a little bit of a, like a minor project and a rookie corner. Um, I think, I mean, we've talked about the Staley defense and that it's majority like really light boxes and early down. So like, I don't know how much Adrian Amos is going to play in that kind of hybrid role, but he certainly can. 
I mean, he absolutely has the traits too. And I also read that Henry Black has been running with the ones a little bit um, at, back at you know, more your more traditional safety role, which is interesting that it's not Vernon Scott because I think you and I would have guessed he, Vernon Scott would take that spot over Henry Black. So you're right. There's a lot of rotational issues. I think also I can't wait to watch Margene Charles um, and where he can be because I think maybe he could be your classic, like maybe one day you want him to be your boundary corner, but he plays more in that like nickel dime role first and then gets kicked outside eventually if you need him to. Um, I don't think Will Redmond's practicing. I think he's one of those players that's on on a yeah, non-football injury list. So unfortunately for him as someone that's kind of on the fringe, you know, he might need those snaps. And I think, you know, and, and not to discredit Mike Patton, but, you know, kind of going back to what Preston Smith was saying about putting your playmakers in a position to make plays, like there's a lot of players, and I'm sure it was done intentionally by the way that Goot has been drafting the last couple seasons that can play in a number of different roles. And I... I know that there's a lot of people that want Darnell Savage to get looks in the star, and maybe that's something that'll happen um, Jair as well. But we're not seeing too much of that yet, at least out of training camp. Right now it seems like it really is just Shannon Sullivan, but it's hard. Like You have Darnell Savage, who took a lot of slot snaps in college, but you had one of the best safety tandems in the NFL towards the end of last season. So thinking about like dropping Adrian Amos in the box and then having Darnell Savage play your star role, and then you have two safeties in too high. Like, you know, if it's like Vernon Scott and Henry black, like it's just weird to conceptualize taking some of your best players out of where we think maybe they fit the best, even though maybe to Joe Barry, a guy like Darnell Savage fits best in a star role, you know, does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. But I think there's also something you said for being able to use these players in versatile ways and being able to like disguise coverages and, because that's one thing that stood out to me in one of Dennis Kelly in Dennis Kelly's press conference, where he was like, "The Titans knew exactly what they were going up against every single time they went against the Packers defense. It just happened that the offense completely took control of that game, and they never got it back." So you don't want that. Like you don't want right. another team to know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> so again, like if you can use the skills of your players to disguise what coverages you're about to to go into and like by all means do that use their versatility i think that only is an advantage and i think there's a lot of like little things maybe that aren't being talked about where you know they talk about like joe berry emphasizing that you always need to finish a play so like even if you know it's like a tipped ball drill and the ball lands dead like you as a player have to run and pick that up and then run it back to the house like this just this idea that like you're not done Um, And to always be like aware of the ball. And it sounds like he's really emphasizing tackling. So, I mean, there's just a lot of things that you would think would be like this rote skill that you would have as a football player, like how to tackle one-on-one that we weren't seeing last season. So if like some of these little tweaks are made, the, the pieces have to be there. I mean, this is probably one of the most talented defenses that the Packers have had probably since their Super Bowl run in like the 10, 11 seasons. I'm excited. Yeah. Very excited. I think there's a lot of potential and a lot of potential for greatness. I think also just like these guys are so like energy and vibes driven. Mm -hmm. You can hear it in their press conferences and it sounds so much like they really, really feed off Joe Barry. And, And I know that that's not tangible. It's not analytical. There's not much you can do with that information, but 
a lot of football is mental, right? And so if he can give them that added confidence, that added juice, whatever it is that they feel like they need to be successful, then this was a great hire. Yeah. And I don't want to like tank the mood of the entire show, but it really seems like there's like this calmness and this stillness with a lot of guys this season where whether or not it truly is like a last dance, I don't like to think in finite terms like that, but you know, asking Alan Lazard, like, what do you want to improve on like to your game this season? And he's like adding a Super Bowl ring or Robert Tunyon saying like, you know, he can only control what's in front of him or Mercedes Lewis talking about how he lives every day. Like he's on a one day contract. Like there's even Aaron Rodgers seems like to really, I don't think that like 2014 Aaron Rodgers would be driving an Aston Martin vanquish golf court, a golf cart through um, like Oneida street to and from, you know, the, practice. So I think there's like a a calmness to this season where they know that this is a loaded roster. They're comfortable in the offense. They're comfortable with the new defense. And it just seems like everybody's ready to like apply everything that they've worked towards, or maybe they've been building the last couple seasons. No, I agree. I do think that there's like a lot of positive energy coming out of that locker room. And there's a lot to be said for that after a tumultuous offense that could have very much negatively impacted them. And again, like I think they got the outcome that they wanted, right? Aaron Rodgers is back, but regardless, you can't just like get rid of, you can't forget about the last couple of months, but they've done a very, very good job of doing just that of either shutting away, compartmentalizing, forgive and forget whatever method they needed to do. They are now, or they always were, and that's why they're professional football players. I don't know. I think that something like what this offseason was could have had a much different outcome in a different locker room. So I just I think there's a lot of credit to the guys for being professionals and coming in with the mindset that they have and remembering that at the end of the day, they're probably going to end up winning a lot of football games and are, again, Super Bowl contenders. And from the looks of it, it's their division to lose yet again. And so they should have that attitude. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, whether you want to credit the front office, I think that a lot of this was mishandled, but, you know, credit to Aaron Rodgers and to Goody and, you know, to like rise above it sounds like a weird way to say it because I don't think anybody is like fully happy with everything that happened. I don't think there was like a a clear winner in any of this, but, you know, Aaron Rodgers came out and was incredibly transparent and said like, you know, there's things that they're working on, but obviously there's pictures of him and Goody talking and, you know, they, they're talking about this relationship being a work in progress. And, you know, for Aaron to come back and say, look, like, I mean, Aaron's a competitor. We knew he wasn't going to come in and like tank the season and throw a bunch of games to stick it to green Bay. Like I think all parties know that this was all of their best chances at getting to the Super Bowl was with this roster. So I think there's like this sense of excitement knowing that, okay, we put the pieces together, even like, okay, here's Randall Cobb. Here's one of your guys. Like everybody has bought in entirely to the fact that like we're chasing a ring, not that you aren't every season, but I think, you know, when your roster is not in contention for Super Bowl competition. Yeah. And they definitely do not feel that way, which they shouldn't because they are. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Any last, any last thoughts? Because our next episode is going to be what we actually witnessed. Yeah. No, I mean, I think I'm just, I'm ready to be there. I'm ready to see it. You can only get so many glimpses from Twitter feeds and from reporters ears and, um, you know, kind of what we're hearing from people that are up there. So yeah, 
do you want to tell the people where they can follow you next week when, uh, when you're posting from training camp? Sure. Um, follow me, uh, at Perry underscore Goldstein on Twitter, follow the podcast at PWSS podcast. We're going to be doing our packs, which you said live, um, next week as well from green Bay. So that'll be really fun. Um, follow us on Twitch cause we're going to have a couple of Twitch streams as well while we're up there. Just, just me and Maggie shooting the breeze about camp. Um, and yeah, Maggie, what about you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. You can find my written work for Cheesehead TV. And yeah, if you see us in town next week, say hi. See us uh, at training camp. Tune into the live show. And remember, go Peko. Go Peko.